For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. A few months ago, a stingray got pregnant. Except there were no male stingrays in the tank, which raised a question. Who's the daddy? Who's the daddy? Who's the daddy? But scientists think... There is no daddy. And it's not just this stingray. All kinds of animals are getting pregnant all on their own. This week on Unexplainable, what exactly is going on here? Follow Unexplainable for new episodes every Wednesday. Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. This is a bonus episode. Uh, think of it as an addendum to the big Trump comedy episode that, that also came out today. If you haven't listened to that yet, I'd recommend it. But, you, you know, it's all just interviews, so you don't have to listen to them in any order. It's not like watching Kill Bill Volume 2 before seeing one. You know, they're freestanding. They're two people talking to each other. You'll get it. While the main episode focused on how Trump affected the comedy of five unique comedians, Hayes Davenport's story is different. Um, Trump's election put things in motion that would lead to Hayes leaving comedy full-time. He still hosts his beloved cult comedy podcast, Hollywood Handbook, a, a favorite of mine. But in 2019, he, he quit his gig as showrunner of the upcoming TBS sitcom Chad to work on an L.A. City Council campaign. Regardless of political comedy, his, his move raised interesting questions about the potential of comedians in politics. So, here is Hayes Davenport. So, uh, I'm here with Hayes Davenport. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Jesse. It's a, it's a <laughs> pleasure to be talking to you. You as well. Um, so the question I've been starting uh, all these off with is, was Trump good for comedy? Why or why not? And, and what does good even mean? Good to me means not this question. <laughs> uh, this is the worst question. Uh, there is no good way to answer it. I, uh, was Trump good for comedy? Uh, I I would honestly say the effect was pretty neutral I think the percentage of comedy that is good is is about the same as it was before, and the 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 stuff that had a much bigger effect was technology and like platforms. Yeah, I think uh, moving towards podcasting, like various types of democratization, in the same way that like for a while it was late night was new and like that was a way for comedy to get out there, and then the format became kind of stale. Uh, and then like stand up had a renaissance, but th that stuff, I think it doesn't really matter who is president. Yeah. Uh, most of it is always bad. Uh, <laughs> and, and some of it is okay. Um, so to back up, what was your sort of political involvement before the 2016 election? 
So I had never really been involved. I went to Nevada with a bunch of friends to um, to help people register to vote. In LA, you just like have to drive for 500 miles to do uh, anything that seems politically significant. That's what I thought. Yeah. But I had always been interested in what was going on at the city level and like urban planning stuff and uh, tried to read local news. And then when Trump got elected, I posted on Facebook. This is like what a, a crazy mental place I was at. I went yeah. straight to Facebook to do a post, something I don't think I had done for like four years. And was like, on the same day, I really needed to convince myself that like something was going to be all right. For some reason, of in the haze, no pun intended, of that, the end of that, uh, after that election, your reaction to it was the, is the only reaction I remember. You remember this, that post? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Like I remember god. tweeting about all this stuff. I don't. I truly don't know why. Um, which is why it. So now explain that this thing you did in desperation connected to a person who was also just looking for anything. Total desperation. I think I cried in the shower and then like got out and and, and uh, booted up Facebook. Uh, and posted so on the same ballot as the Trump Hillary race in L.A was a ballot measure uh, to put $1.2 billion in a sales tax uh, towards housing for people who are homeless mm -hmm. and also one to fund uh, a big transit expansion, which in L.A. historically has not really... L.A., uh, dating back to the 50s and 60s, was like a really reactionary, conservative yeah. place. And like this stuff, even for a place that's considered very blue, is locally hard to do. And they both crushed like they like they did extremely well mm -hmm. and i just like pointed to that and i was like this is good that we can do stuff here there's a lot that can like yeah. i have no <laughs> control over this other so, like people are asking like how did this happen and it's just like wh what are we we can't do anything about this is what it yeah. felt like to me but 10 million people live in la county uh, it's bigger than all but eight states, I think. Uh, four million people live in the city of LA, and it just felt like what I said at the time. I was like, "This is what I'm going to be focused on now. Yeah. This is like what the next four years uh, are going to be for me." Did you have any thoughts about comedy at that time? Just sort of where you were at, like no, never. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> uh. Where I was at, so at the time I was mostly doing TV writing. I had started, uh, Sean and I were doing our podcast, Hollywood Handbook, uh, at that point already. But here's the thing that, uh, in terms of like platforms and uh, different types of media, how it has changed. Podcasts are when you, uh, certainly the ones where you just like sit down and like talk for an hour, yeah. uh, are not super time consuming. Mm -hmm. So they can be like, I, they leave you time to do other stuff, like post on the internet <laughs> and like do it's like that's what most people like fill that time with. But it uh, it made other options feel possible. So basically, like, I had been um, writing for a while, and like between jobs, I started working with a homeless services nonprofit called Sela. Through that, I met uh, one of the people who founded it, Nithya Raman, uh, and we became friends. Uh, and I had a 
showrunner job on a show called Chad, which is coming out uh, this year, uh, and was a great show. It was a wonderful job, but uh, we shot the pilot, and it was it got picked up to series and we had this three month kind of in between period after the pickup and before the room started. And I had really been like throwing myself into the homeless services work and just felt like this will be, this will be tough to leave to go do this show, which will be like very consuming for a long time. And we were going to shoot in, um, uh, Vancouver at the time ended up shooting Portland, but I knew I was going to be gone for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nithya told me, I had been talking to Nithya and uh, suggesting that it would be great if she ran for city council, which in LA is uniquely powerful. We only have 15 council members for a city of 4 million people. You and New York have like 700 or something. Yeah, yeah. Like they, it's like <laughs> it's meaningless. Yeah. Uh, but here, they have a huge influence over policy around homelessness and stuff. So I've been like, it would be great if you did this. We were hitting a wall trying to get anything out of these same people. So it's just like, you just do it. Yeah. Uh, and then one night uh, she uh, we went to get a drink at a bar and she told me that she was going to run for the seat. And I was just like, I just I, I, I cannot miss out on this. This will be yeah. so fun. Uh, and so I quit my job to volunteer for the campaign and she won. Yeah. Um, spoiler. That was yeah. It's three. Yeah. Three <laughs> <down> the <road. laughs> but um, uh, what was that decision like to quit? Either was it in, what? Was it an internal struggle? Was it in like what when you yeah. told your friends, your your team, like you? I should note for those like this would be your first showrunner job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you're yeah. built, this is like hypothetically what you have been building a career yeah. towards. But I got I got the one episode. I got the pilot as EP, and that's <laughs> got it. like how many uh, title cards can you fit in a frame? You know, like I, you only need the one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. No, I mean, yeah, of course it was really tough. I mean, I'll, like, uh, like telling my friends was so fun, and still, it's just like, oh, oh, you're still working? Oh, yeah, I, I, I threw away my career to actually volunteer to support yeah. homeless services policy. Uh, it's rocks. It's like amazing. I, yeah. I, I, I've really enjoyed it. But for, I mean, like the real, like internally, it was like, shit, this is. Um, stupid this is really stupid uh just keep i i enjoyed the other work i just i knew and now in retrospect i am so glad i did it i knew like i would not enjoy it anymore if nithya was off running this campaign and that other work was happening and i I just didn't have time to do it that would have ruined the job for me yeah but it was my wife who really pushed me my wife geneva had me sign a contract that is hanging up somewhere. I think it's in the bathroom now. Um, that said, uh, I promise to like commit to this decision and to do what I love and what I care about. Uh, and uh, I'm going to quit my job and go do this thing. Uh, and so that, like, she was so so supportive. And the fact that I I, I kept doing the podcast all, yeah. all the way through. Um, that made it feel like okay. Here's a little cu- like a financial cushion mm-hmm. uh, to 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 make this easier. What did you end up doing for the campaign? I was a volunteer. I never had a title, just so I could kind of like stay flexible. 
Um, but I was basically like a, an advisor, senior advisor, I guess you'd call it. I sort of looked at, um, I worked on the uh, uh, comms, uh, fundraising, and policy. Uh, mm. And Nithya's campaign put out these really unusually robust uh, policy documents around like what the, the powers of the city were and like what we could do to um, how we could do things differently. Uh, and I think what I tried to bring to it was from the writing background, this stuff is usually very hard to read. Yeah. Uh, it's boring. It sucks. And so like, how can we make something that's not like, it would have been bad if we tried to make it like a comedy piece, <laughs> sure, yeah. but how do you just like convey information in a way that's compelling and people can kind of latch on to because that's the only way you're going to get support behind yeah, yeah. these different things. What, what did you expect from the experience and sort of what surprised you about either what it was like or what you got out of it? Ah, man. I mean, I got so much out of it. I um, was surprised. <laughs> First, I was surprised. It was a lot harder than I thought it would be. There was this definitely a really shitty Hollywood attitude of like, oh, we'll show up. It's like city politics and we're yeah. like TV writers. Uh, like we'll show up to this and just like dominate. And that did not happen at all. People did not uh, support the campaign in the early going. We had no institutional support whatsoever. Um, it uh, was a really, really difficult slog all the way through. It took almost two years between the primary and the general. Uh, I thought we would had a chance at winning outright in the primary, which we didn't yeah. really get close to. We did really well, but not close to getting the majority that you need to mm -hmm. avoid the general election. Uh, and so then by the end, I was just really surprised that we won. Yeah. Um, even like the day of the election, I was like, this was great. I had a wonderful experience. <laughs> We're definitely not going to win. Uh, but what I got out of it, I mean, one thing I think, uh, in, uh, talking again about format changes that made it so appealing, even compared to TV, it felt like a show running job. Not that I was like running the campaign, but like the stuff that you're doing, you're just like constantly having decisions come to yeah. you and like you're reporting up to like this person and down to that person. Like, but uh, the satisfaction of being able to put something out on a very immediate basis is tough to replace with TV. TV, mm -hmm. you sit in a room for eight months and then you uh, shoot it for another very long period of time. And then it's a half hour. And then you like search Twitter to see what people said about it. And some people talk, maybe it's hard to search. And so you never even really know yeah, yeah. what people are saying. Uh, and, like I worked on a show called Great News, and I always wanted to be like, "Oh, what are people saying about this show?" It's like, "Oh, that's it's impossible to figure out." People are just sharing great news that they <laughs> that they have. Uh, great news, blah, yeah. blah 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 blah. But like the immediacy of like, okay, we're putting out this policy thing, we're putting out this video. Where there were like three things every day that needed to go out, and even like. Here's another, uh, we're doing this event tonight. We're doing that. Like, it was so varied uh, in a way that was, like, really just, like, super invigorating and fun all the time. 
no, that's not true at all. At times <laughs> it was it was extremely unfun, but like yeah. always really interesting. That that honestly, just for like personal experience, extends to doing the homeless services stuff too. There's like so many different little jobs that have to be like taken care of at any given time compared to writing work, which does kind of feel like the same thing over and over again. Show running is different because there's more of the production stuff, but still there's a delayed release that I think podcasts made difficult for me to accept. Uh, Podcast, Sean and I never bank episodes. We're not organized to bank (laughs) episodes. So we record on Saturday usually, and it comes out like three days later. And if it's bad, then we just do it again yeah. next week. It's like this immediate process that uh, t- TV just operates on a schedule that is, I think, no longer as conducive to how the human mind mm-hmm. works and our uh, need for gratification at a more frequent release. So, uh, as you mentioned, she won. She won. What was that like for you? It, you know, I, it was kind of stupid because I like I'm always thinking like, well, it would have been nice if we could have had a party. Uh, if we could have hugged each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like these were people I got really, really close to. It was a wonderful team. There were some other people who had worked in comedy and writing. There's a guy named Josh Androsky um, who wrote for SpongeBob in the past and is a stand-up uh, who was also running the comms operation. Um, there were and the people like Mitra Juhari and Joel Kim Booster and Adam Conover uh, and so many people I'm forgetting, but like really uh, threw themselves into it, got super super engaged. Um, so it was kind of a merging of these different uh, communities, but it it feels great. I still hope we can have a party. Uh, it would just be nice to be around each other and yeah. be like, well, isn't this cool? Uh, but she's been sworn in now and I'm still kind of reckoning with, um, that is real. Yeah. You, you mentioned the, the other comedy related people that had got involved and it felt like this race in particular was really embraced by the community. And, um, I know people that credit partly you and your sort of championing of it and sort of just helping shepherd people through the process. When people have talked about politics and comedy these last four years. It's almost always like monologue jokes about Trump. But why I want to talk to you uh, was you're involved. You're involved in this part of the story, which is the story of how comedians have reacted to Trump. Um, Did you learn anything or just see anything about what comedy can do when it's actually ingrained in the political process like this? You know, I think most of like the comedy element of it was kept pretty separated. We did, I mean, this was ridiculous for a city council campaign in LA. We had a show comedy show at this theater, the El Ray, which is huge. Yeah. Uh, that had, I'm going to miss people, but Mitra and Joel, uh, hosted it. Uh, Karen Kilgariff, Adam Conover, Reggie Watts, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, others who are escaping james adomian did a chris matthews impression uh it was just like a this incredible uh lineup and we like sold out the el ray uh ended up making like two dollars on the show because it's very expensive to rent out a theater sure yeah 
but it's not like the comedy was about, for the most part, uh, city politics. Like people yeah. would make little jokes about it, but that wasn't the theme of the comedy. It was just a way to bring people to it. So I, you know, I think I don't know if political jokes are the way to get people informed about something necessarily. Like the campaign did some of that, but it wasn't really like a comedy driven campaign. Yeah, the yeah. stuff is like really serious. Yeah. You know, it's I, tough to make jokes about. I guess I guess the question is then, do you feel like there's something unique about this generation of comedy fans or yeah. young people that they would let comedians help influence their political beliefs in this way, regardless of like, even if you're saying serious things, yeah. but like you were not like you did, you did this campaign, but it's one of a zillion examples of charity shows for different causes. I've put on a few and no one's like, what are you doing that for? Like it felt everyone's like, yeah, of course, of course comedians yes. would be doing these things. What, yeah. So what is, what is that to you? Uh, you know, I think it might be a generational thing. It might be uh, just something in this community. It is a very morally driven uh, group of people. And I think people get, so like, look, you always are wondering, right? Always like questioning, am I doing this? Uh, like because I uh, for like the purest motivation possible, or because I like that the idea of people thinking of me this way, sure, or because it gives me social affirmation to be doing this kind of stuff. And at some point, I think it doesn't really matter. Like you know, as long like as long as you're doing it, and like yeah, if you yeah. do it enough, then it, that kind of goes away, and now it's just the thing that you do. And it, it is impossible to ever really, really know, certainly on a, a person by person basis. But I think uh, it's it's twofold. I think people genuinely are we're looking for something to do and we're very like twisted up about Trump. And also people have different uh, needs in terms of like what is uh, what feels good in terms of their like public perception. Mm -hmm. Is it like getting like booked uh, for like a bunch of roles and like being really rich or like does it feel better now when people look at you and say like wow they're they're doing like really good stuff yeah the need here is so massive i think it's also like uh that is also it's balanced by how just uh sick you feel driving around a yeah. lot of the time like it's impossible to go around la and not yeah. be like what the fuck am i doing <laughs> Like, yeah. if, like just seeing what's in front of you and the, uh, getting engaged is really an antidote to that. Um, I don't know if you listen to the famously stupid podcast Malcolm Gladwell did about satire. Um, I never did listen to that one. I like the one about golf courses. That's the only <laughs> one I've ever heard. So he did a thing about satire and it doesn't really he doesn't have a th he just like satire is not good enough because sometimes people don't know what it means. And then then he yeah. went on Larry Wilmore's podcast. And this actually was interesting because Larry Wilmore just explained to him how satire works and his main Larry's main point was well comedians aren't activists comedians just point uh -huh. people to where they should be doing activism and i was like yeah that makes sense but as we've seen these last few years via what you've been doing things like mitra has been doing yeah where comedians are being activists what do you think about this overlap how is it are comedians natural activists what does it mean for comedians to not just be talking about things but doing things 
None of it, though, none of this stuff is really satire. It's not like John no, Stewart. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not like uh, political parody. But I think that's an important distinction because the, like, that, the brand of comedy that we and all these people are doing is about like a weird bug with like a big ass or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and just like. <laughs> It's not. It has nothing to yeah, do exactly. with yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the political stuff, and that extends to like the city level. I think a lot of them are good, just really good communicators. That has real value, especially when you're talking about a city council race, where you have to start with like, here's what this is. Here's this thing you've never heard of, and like, here are the different mm-hmm. uh, th- things that they have influence over, and here's what they can do. Like, you just need to be clear. Yeah. Uh, and kind of like drill down on stuff and uh, personality helps like the same way that like when you're doing stand up, you need to convey an idea very directly and like get people to understand what it is. So I think it's more just about communication than it is about comedy specific yeah. or just like the overlap uh, between those uh, those concepts in LA, I think we you had so many people who were really good at communicating who all the vast majority went into the entertainment industry and that left us with a city political sphere that like did not have yeah. people that were as good at that. So there was an opportunity for people in entertainment to turn towards city politics and really have a huge impact. Yeah. So how's all of this influence how you thought about your career and the career you want to have? I mean, yeah, so I had considered, uh, I, I was just waiting to see if Nithya won or lost to, to like what, what, to even start thinking about what I was going to do next. I was always going to continue doing the podcast with Sean. I love doing that. We just, uh, like went independent. We just started a Patreon work, like we're growing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was never going to be a full time job for me. So like what I was going to do with the rest of the time is like, do I get back into writing? I think I am going to stay in this world for now and like uh, work to help uh, advance the kind of uh, policy agenda that Nithya uh, ran on. Um, I think it helps to have outside voices uh, continue to push that stuff. In what in what forms? We're figuring out the legal entities. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's 501s, Jesse. I got to tell you, there's a bunch of them. Got it. Uh, and like, what are they? What do they do? Like, what uh, uh, are what is what do you go to jail for? Yeah. Uh, like, there's. Uh, so I'll tell you this. I mean, this is everywhere in politics. Everyone knows this, but it's at the city level too. Every interest group that has a ton of money behind it. Uh, like the the restaurant association, the police union, the uh, oil and gas industry has these um, outside organizations that like advance their policies and do communications and like influence public opinion. Mm-hmm. In general, the like progressive movement does not really have as much of that happening mm-hmm. in the city. Um, it, it, it's uh, it, it's more built up in other places. So I think some people from Nithya's team are trying to keep the momentum going and have an outside entity that is doing that work. Because we were outspent. We were running against the most expensive city council campaign in L.A. history. Sure. We were outspent in terms of PAC spending by $700,000 to $12,000. And we managed to overwhelm 
all those institutional forces and all that money just through being better at communication. Yeah. Uh, and the the fact that tons of comedians, like I was talking about people more at my level, but Ike Barinholtz, Busy Phillips, uh, Adam and Naomi Scott, Mike Schur, the whole Parks and Rec yeah. uh, team, people really showed up. And now they are, you know, I've been thrilled to see that they're all eager to um, keep participating at the city yeah. level, especially now that Biden's in office. That people, a lot of people are like, "What are we? Like, what do we? What now?" Yeah, I was going to ask, what do you, what do you hope? So much of the the not just political comedy, but sort of like the focus of people who are comedians that it was around the idea of Trump. Yeah, what do you? What do you hope for our comedy or comedians for the next however many years? You know, the stuff I like ideally won't be really influenced by, uh, you know, the kind of stuff that Mitra and Joel are doing, that John Early and Kate Berlant do. Like uh, uh, Demi also, Demi was incredibly uh, generous with his time on the campaign. Um, Like, it's not respondent to yeah, yeah. I can't imagine what would be different now that Joe Biden is in office. Uh, and I hope it isn't really. Uh, and, but it's been nice that they uh, can be, they can all be so vocal and all be so forward with their values uh, and not be, I think for a long time people were scared that uh, talking about that stuff would would make their comedy worse, make it yeah. more difficult for people to separate uh, a a dumb tweet from a political one. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I think it has it's turned out okay for for all of them. Uh, so yeah, I guess my hope is that uh, from a comedy perspective, it just doesn't change that much. Do you think there's going to be a president who was once a comedian in our lifetime, or governor? E- hmm. It could happen, huh? Doesn't it happen? You always hear about like in Italy and Poland. It's I think like, like this... Slovenia had one. Yeah, like, and they're not necessarily bad at it. No, um, I don't know what their comedy's like, but they they seem to be not terrible presidents. I think it could definitely happen. I mean, uh, Ray, I just read um, not Reaganland, but the book before that by Rick Perlstein, The Invisible Bridge, mm-hmm. uh, and Reagan was so successful not because he was an actor. But because he was a a host, he hosted this like General Electric theater where he would do like stand up uh, commentary, not funny necessarily, but just the kind of like one guy with a mic delivering a message to someone. It's that kind of uh, parasocial like this is my friend who is coming out of the TV and speaking to me that we now have even more intensely maybe with podcasts and social media. That yeah, I think it could definitely happen. I think I I think John Stewart probably regrets not having <laughs> yeah, yeah. done it. I mean, I think people like uh, without uh, certain circumstances uh, taking place. I think Al Franken at some point would have had a great shot. Yeah. Uh, so so here's my answer: that if it doesn't happen, the only reason I would say it couldn't happen is because the intersection of being a comedian and also wanting to be a politician probably means that you have bad stuff in your uh, <laughs> in your personal history uh that uh that will emerge at some point so that 
is going to be a huge hurdle to that yeah, ever yeah. happening. The good, the comedians who I would most like to see do it won't. Yeah, I think it's a good good way of ending it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jesse. You can listen to Hollywood Handbook wherever you listen to podcasts. Hayes also at this point has like a ton of Patreon podcasts, which you can check out at patreon.com slash the flagrant ones. Follow Hayes on Twitter at Hayes Davenport. And that's it for another episode of Good One. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, Hannah Rosen, and Camila Salazar. Gotham Shrikashin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Box Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next week with Jason Wallner. Have a good one. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.